Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. I want to preach about something that some people might count as cliche. Some people might count as something simple. But I want to preach tonight, teach you a little bit about, or expound rather, on trusting the Lord. I want to speak to you about trusting him to get you there. All right, we're on a 21 days of prayer and fasting. We have a lot of online devotionals and they're geared to get your life in a mode where you can trust the Lord more on a daily basis. Because a lot of times we trust him with, with big things, with you know our diseases. A lot of times we trust him with uh, our finances and all that is well and good. But sometimes we don't trust him on whether I should turn left or right. You know, sometimes I don't trust him whether I, or should I listen to that little voice that I, hey, go back to aisle three. I think it was Pastor Joshua that preached that a couple weeks ago. You know, go back to aisle three and, and speak to that person. You know, there's a lot to be said about that little, still, small voice about trusting the Lord. Amen? Amen. So I want to start out with Joshua chapter one, verse nine. And it says, have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Wherever you go. I remember when I was little, there's one verse that my mom, we grew up apostolic, we grew up apostolic Pentecostal, so we grew up in a very strict strict upbringing. We were uh, not spared the rod. All right, we were disciplined very well, I would like to think. I, I still have the battle scars to prove it. Uh, but she had this little scripture, and, I, and she still has it actually to this day. And I've never forgotten it. And, and it's actually a verse that a lot of the kids learn nowadays, and, and many of you probably know it. It's found in Proverbs chapter three, and it's verse five through six. And it simply states, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. It's just such a simple truth. It really is such a simple truth. You know, you you might want to, you might be wondering, you know, well, Brother Abby, what do I want to trust him for aside from these big things? I mean, it could be anything uh, from, you know, whether or not you want to, you know, take that trip. You know, sometimes you, you, you ever feel, you ever have that little gut instinct that says, you know what, maybe I shouldn't go. And then you end up losing your bags or something out of the ordinary. You know what, you know the Holy Ghost. You really do know the Holy Ghost. I want to admonish and encourage you that the Holy Spirit is there to give you direction in the littlest of things. And when you follow those little inklings, when you follow those little tugs, when you follow those little Holy Spirit rabbit trails as we call them, I'm telling you, you cannot be found in a better path. Let me explain how I got to Tree of Life Church. The relationship between Pastor Don and I is a very special one. I I count him a friend and uh, a mentor to me. I was teaching at Rhema Bible Training College. I was an instructor there for the the Spanish college. I, I taught some of the English classes as well, but mostly the Spanish college. And 
Pastor Don, I remember my, my friend Ben, he told me, Ben is another audio engineer that I worked with at the time, he said, hey, we're going down to Texas, do you know of a place called New Braunfels? And I was thinking, yeah, that's where that Schlitterbahn Park is at that I've never been to. And, uh, and I said, yeah, I know where New Braunfels is. He says, yeah, we're going down there, do you know anybody down there? And you go, I, I, I don't, I don't know anybody uh, down there. And so it turns out that they were coming to Tree of Life Church, and this was in 2012 excuse me, 2011, and uh, he told me all about it. He told me about these new ministers that had just gotten here, and I, what was interesting about that was that I knew these ministers, and I was actually supposed to, my wife and I were actually supposed to uh, take their place at the church that they had come from, and we decided to stay an extra year at Rama. Well, deciding to stay an extra year at Rama, praying on it, we did not want to stay. We wanted to go back to our home church and start ministering, but uh, deciding to stay a third year, that year in 2011, Pastor Don was invited due to the, uh, the invitation that uh, from here, doing the Living Faith Crusade, he was invited to speak at the Christmas banquet. And at the Christmas banquet, our dean, Dean Tad Grigrich, he actually introduced Pastor Don and I. And Pastor Don and I, he took me to the Waffle House and we started talking about ministry. He started telling me about Arbol de Vida and the wonderful ministry that they had there. And I was real excited. My wife was real excited about some of the things that was happening down with there with the orphanage. This is just really, you know, it, it plucked our hearts really, really, really well. It resonated with us. It was really excited. Well, over the next several months, you know, him and I would stay in contact about, you know, different ministry opportunities and, hey, you know, you want to come down to Arbol de Vida, I'll send you down there, come on out, check it out, you know, really, we, it, it's really something that you might want to be uh, involved in and, well, thank God we are involved in that right now. Uh, I help Pastor Jeff out a lot and he calls on me for different video projects and different graphics and things of that nature. Um, but we came down here, actually I came down here on a borrowed car, Pastor Cody will remember, came down here on a borrowed car because we only had one at the time and uh, it was real exciting because, you know, I'd never been asked to go minister in another country before and so Pastor Jeff didn't know me from Adam but because of the relationship that I had with not only his brother, uh, Pastor Don, but also with Pastor Hagen, I was really good friends with Pastor Hagen uh, and, and that whole camp he knew that he could trust me because I was trusted by Pastor Hagen. And that was, a, that, was a, that was a God thing. And it was because we decided to lean on the Holy Ghost and do what he told us to do. It was a little inkling. It started out just as a feeling. And then our pastors released us, uh, our home pastors released us to stay a third year. And we got to go to Mexico and, and that was just a wonderful experience. And when we got uh, when we got back, I told my wife about everything that was going on, and we just felt impressed to stay in contact with Pastor Don. Pastor Don then invited us to come down in August, uh, excuse me, in June, in July, rather, and we knew that God had called us to Tree of Life Church, and my wife and I sought our former pastors, and we said, hey, do you have a position available for us? Is there something that we could do for the church? And uh, he said, well, you know, we don't have a position open right now, but, you know, I, if you're looking for a release, go ahead. You could, you could search up for other ministries. And I thought that was great. You know, that's kind of how we did it. You know, we wanted to make sure that we did everything in decency and in order. All right, that's the Holy Spirit, okay? So maybe you could take a little bit out of that. You know, you don't want to ever burn any type of bridges. You always want to uh, make amicable roads and just make sure that your, your networks and your, and your relationships stay steady because what happens if you don't is you'll break that cord of trust. 
you'll break that cord of trust. To this day, Pastor Hagen still sends us, hey, how you doing, Abby? Hey, you know, sends us a Merry Christmas or, or something like that because we never broke that relationship of trust, amen? And so we're here, I'm here now because of a man that trusted God, but he also trusted the relationship that I had with another gentleman that was also trusted of God. And so trust is a very integral thing in the life of a believer. It's a very integral thing in the life of a Christian, amen? It's, it's something that you should always guard like gold. A repu- your reputation is as gold, amen? So there's a lot of different areas that you can go to uh, when, in regards to trust. First thing we wanna do is we want to define trust, all right? So what is trust? That's the first point right there. Merriam-Webster defines trust as belief that someone or something is reliable, good, honest, and effective. Notice that perfect is completely omitted from that definition. Because I tell you, I am far from it. I strive for excellence and I still miss the mark. Is it okay if I'm real? Is that all right? I strive for excellence and I sometimes miss the mark. But you know what? Because of the trust and the corded relationships that I have built on that trust, we're able to have healthy conversations about where to go uh, if we ever falter, if we ever mess up. Amen? And that's, that's a good thing. So uh, be mindful of that, that it does not say perfect. Trust is not a perfect thing. You know, Pastor Dave and I were talking several, um, several months back about relationships, and we were talking about what is the nature of relationships, and, and w- w- there's that cliche, that adage that says, you know, Blood is thicker than water, right? And you know there's only one thing that's thicker than blood. And that's a covenant choice. Okay, that's a covenant choice. Are you, unless you're related to your spouse. <laughs> I don't think you are, right? I mean, that's a covenant choice. Think about it. And that is closer, the relationship between my wife and I is closer than that between my, myself and my brother myself and my sister. I love my wife and I would choose my wife a thousand times over, over anything, right? The Bible says that's why a man leaves his, his family to cleave to his wife because a covenant choice is actually thicker. It's thicker than blood. It's more sacred than blood. That's the same type of relationship that we have with Jesus. He shed the blood, but the covenant choice made to engraft us into the tree, to engraft us into the vine is thicker, is more precious, amen? It's more precious. Let me give you an example of trust. Today I was uh, going to get a haircut and uh, stylists need to be trusted, right? But that's not my point. Uh, Actually, as I was driving down 1103, I was was driving and I I actually studied architecture when I was uh, younger uh, in one of my college tours. Uh, and I saw a roll of plans uh, laying on 1103, and I'm like, wow, what's the, what is that? I, at first, I, I didn't realize what it was until I was about 100 feet past it, and I realized, oh my gosh, that was a set of plans. And, I, and knowing how plans work, I know that the, the architect or the firm is always on the front page. So I turned around Chelsea Drive, I came back, I parked on the side of the road, grabbed the plans. Now, fortunately, for the people who the plans belonged to, it was only a block up. 
So I don't know if the wind blew these plans away from uh, the site, the construction site, or if they dropped them off of the truck or, or whatever. However, it, it ended up on the road. Can you imagine what they would try to do if they had to reference the plans? What would they do? Well, obviously now and now, nowadays, you could probably email a copy and, and, then, and then just search through them. But there's a reason that the paper plans are laid out. It's so much more convenient than having to carry around a device and try to zoom in and zoom out. It, it just is a lot quicker. It's a lot faster because it's a tangible product. So you cannot, those guys, if they would get to a certain point and then could not move forward at all, there's a level of trust that they have to rely on that set of plans. There's an intricate level of, of trust or a specific rather level of trust that they have in those plans. Those plans are necessary for them to continue the work that they have to do. They would only, if they did not have those plans, they could only get to a certain point and they would have to stop. They would have to stop. What's our plan? What are our plans? Let's talk about that a little bit. Hebrews 11 is vastly considered the hall of faith. And if you, ever, if you have a chance to read it, I would suggest that you do so. It's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful chapter. It talks about all the different uh, heroes of the Bible, heroes of faith, all right? And again, at the risk of sounding cliche, at the risk of sounding uh, like you've heard this before, it's, if you are not yet tired of hearing about Abraham, David, and Esther, you have not heard it enough yet. You have not heard it enough yet. All right, so there is a history of trust. These trusts, the Bible, they're called testaments. These testaments, when somebody writes out a will and writes out their will in testament, it means that they are entrusting those things that they owned and those things that they valued and they are entrusting into somebody else. They're like, okay, I, I bequeath this, I bequeath that, this is for you, this is for them. All right, that is a testament. And so the Old Testament, the New Testament is our trust. That is what we are to put our trust in. Those promises, those, those words that are in the Bible, they are our trust. Sounds simple, but it's a little bit different perspective, I'd like to think. All right, let's look at a couple biblical figures. Abraham. Abraham, the, the first one there, Yeah. Genesis chapter 12, verses four through five says like this. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him and Lot went with him and Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, because that's how you pronounce it, just wanted to let you know, took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered. They had gathered their trust and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, all right, their relationships, those courted relationships of trust. And they departed to go to the land of Canaan, so they came to the land of Canaan. Let me take you a, a little bit uh, before there. This is not going to be up there. Let me take you a little bit before in uh, chapter 11, verse 31. Uh, there at the end, and Terah took his son Abram and grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife, and they went out with them from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. And they came to Haran and dwelt there. 
So the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. I was once told, it was interesting, what if Terran, uh, excuse me, Tara in Haran had listened and gone a little bit further, had gone a little bit further, I would like to think that history would probably sound a little bit different. I feel that the, I learned a lot from my father. And as I'm sure a lot of you uh, men did and a lot of the women here probably learned a lot from their mother. So there's a lot of qualities that Abraham possesses that came from his father, naturally. All right. So some of the things that Abram experienced, I believe, are the completion or the fruition of what God had always intended. There was a lineage with Abram that was started, but Terran, Terah, my apologies, Terah died in Haran. He did not continue on where Abram and Lot went. Why? Because Abram learned to trust in God. Abram learned to listen to the, to the voice to tell him to get out of Haran and go to the land of the Canaanites, to the promised land, to the land that was promised to him. Amen? Because they're in, uh, in the first verses of chapter 12, you'll see the promises that God had laid out for Abram, talking about the land that he would give him, the many nations and so on and so forth. Let's move on quickly. So we can, we've established that there's a lot of trust that, that um, and I don't mean to imply anything, but I, uh, just for the sake of, of the time that we have, Abraham is considered one of the hall of faith, one of the heroes of the hall of faith. He was very much in tune and entrusted into what God had for him. Amen. Let me, let me take you to the second biblical figure, and that is Esther. All right, so we're going to read the whole book of Esther from chapter 1 through 10. If you'll put, I'm just kidding, we're not going to read the whole, the whole thing. But the whole book of Esther, the whole book of Esther Let me just read what I wrote here. The Hebrew nation's trust in the promise given to Abram. The whole book of Esther, Mordecai and and the whole family, that whole book is based on the promise given to Abram. They were about to be wiped out. If you've not had the opportunity uh, to read the book of Esther, it's such a great book. Don't just watch the movie. The several movies that are out there, read the book. It is so rich and so full of trusting in what God had for the nation of Israel. Through the trust of one woman, through the trust of one woman, millions upon millions of people were saved. Not just that, but the billions and billions of people since that have come to believe in the Judaic way and in the Judeo-Christian way are a result of her trusting the promise that was given to Abram. That's pretty powerful. I mean, imagine you're just a 17-year-old girl and you get taken away to be part of a harem of a godless king. That's insane. That's intense. We read that in the news today and we will revolt. But that's exactly what happened. Stripped from her country, taken to a foreign place, told to do certain things, told to parade herself in front of, again, 
a godless king. But because of what God entrusted through Abram and through the lineage, she was able to save a nation. That's the power of trust. That's the power of trust. Trusting, trusting the testament that has come before us. All right, let me get to David. David is the next biblical figure. David's trust and confidence in God came from his study and belief of scripture. That's pretty powerful in itself. Sometimes we look at scripture as just a, a thing that we do so that we can mark it on our version app and say, hey, I read this scripture and I highlighted that scripture. And it's, it's more than that. It is said in Jewish tradition that prayer, while important, prayer is us speaking to God. Studying the scripture is God speaking to us. I, I am all for prayer. I am all for speaking in tongues and, and edifying myself. I'm all for interpret tongues and interpretation, okay? We, we'll have a life group on that. If you don't, uh, if you don't understand that, we can, we can help you out with that. That's no problem. Uh, as Pastor Don says, we don't have to agree, but we, it doesn't mean we can't do ministry together, right? I believe all that. I believe all that. But there's something powerful in the study of Scripture. Amen. When you read it, there's another tradition, rather. There's another tradition in, 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 amongst the Jews where every Scripture has, at the very least, seven levels of meaning. Seven levels of meaning. Have you ever read a scripture and thought, wow, that was wonderful? Then come back later, read it again, and it has a totally different meaning. Why? Because it's alive. It's contextual. You can read a scripture in the darkest, in the happiest moment of your life, and it mean one thing, and be going through something else, read the same exact scripture, and it'll mean something else. That's because it's alive. It's powerful. Amen? Do you agree? Yes. Amen. And... It's one of the reasons why uh, Pastor Hagen Sr., we call him Dad Hagen, why he was able to preach 125 different sermons on Mark 11.24. Mark 11.24 talks about, you know, faith and, and, and being able to talk to the mountain and cast it into the sea. He was able to preach 125 different sermons on that verse alone, at the very least, and so scripture has so much meaning, so much depth. And that's why, that's why David said in Psalm 18, verse 22, he says, for all his judgments were before me and I did not put away his statutes before me. I bless my mom. I bless her very much because of that scripture that she put up on her wall. 800 square foot house, but you know what? We trusted in the Lord. We trusted for our beans, cheese, and rice. Every week, I don't remember, I, looking back, I can say that we were poor. I can say that we, probably my parents struggled, now knowing, you know, being financially secure on this side of life, I, I know for a fact that we, we had some struggles. But I could tell you this, we, we were never hungry, you know? And even with the disciplinarian that my mother was, I, we had love in the house, because she knew how to put her trust in the Lord. That scripture will, I mean, I could still see it right now, just as vivid as if I put on VR glasses and I'm right there. I could see them right there on the wall. I could still see the little doilies and the little gothic things that were all around it. 
I'm telling you what, just like David said, I did not put away his statutes from me. That scripture has never left my mind. It's such a beautiful thing. His trust and confidence came also, David's now, his trust and confidence came also from recognizing God's hand at work in his life. See, studying the scripture, uh, learning all about this stuff is not just something that you can internalize. It's something that works daily. It's something that happens on a day-to-day basis. First Samuel 17, the first part of 37 says, moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. There was action to the things that he had internalized. This trust that he had internalized had turned into something applicable in his life. It's important, I'm telling you, trust in the word, Letting those statutes stay inside of your, of, your, of, your, of your heart, keeping them in your mind, studying them day in and day out, not just making a check mark on an app, learning them has applicable, um, has, somebody help me with the words, I'm, I'm trying to translate in Spanish for some reason, tiene aplicación, it just has, it has application. I, I don't know why I just flipped into Spanish mode. Maybe, maybe I'm supposed to preach it. Hay aplicación en la palabra de Dios para tu vida. Amen. Amen. Gloria a Dios. I don't know. Maybe somebody's watching in Mexico or Amen. Gloria a Dios. Hallelujah. Es para ti. La palabra de Dios es para ti. Amen. That was really strange. I just started thinking in Spanish and I couldn't translate. That's, that's hilarious. God is funny like that. That's what happens when you get the janitor down at the bottom. (laughs) So there is application daily that can happen from the word of God. Amen. He understood the necessity of having his sins forgiven and that God would do it. That's the ultimate promise. Psalm 32, one and two. This is called the Psalm uh, uh, of the joy of forgiveness. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Man, I'm telling you what, that's grace right there. That's grace, favor. Man, I, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm going to put a sermon together about cooking and I'm a, what happens when you put grace and favor together and his goodness and his mercy and you make a grace, favor, goodness, mercy pie You know, I'm telling you what, you'll be unstoppable force for God. Amen. Who believes it? Take one bite of that and you are going to be unstoppable. Hallelujah. Okay. That's another track, but write that down, honey. I I think I want to do that one right there. Amen. You know, trust is all well and good, but what do I know? What do I personally know about trust? Well, I've already explained to you the relationship that, that came about because, or the reason that I'm here and the relationship that brought it about. But you know, uh, I'm a, uh, some of you may know, some of you may not, uh, I'm a veteran and I had issues. I had mental issues, uh, mental health issues. And there came a point in my life when I was, it's actually, I discovered at Rama, and, and, and the only thing I could do was go get help. You know, even being around some of the most mighty men of faith, I sought help because the Bible says, having done all things to stand, Stand therefore. I'm going to get to another point here in a little bit, but I feel it's important to say it now before time might run out. 
that if you don't do what you can in the natural, it's not going to release God to do things in the spiritual, in the supernatural. See, when you, when you do everything you can in the natural, if you could do it, why, why does God, why would, why would you need God if you could do it? Why would God exist? What's the point of faith if you can do it? No, you have to do everything that you can in the natural so that God can do his super. Amen? Hallelujah. That, that's important. And so I did everything in the natural to do what I needed to do and, and got help with the VA and they treated me well. And, and I'm telling you, I'm not ashamed to say that I sought help from them. But the one thing that the VA could not do was fix the scars and, and, and the and the, 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 the wounds of the marriage that was wounded because of those issues. That was where the super came into play. That was where the super came into play. Our marriage was ruined because I did not know how to lay aside my pride and go seek the help that I needed. I did not know how to speak to my wife. I did not know how to speak to my children, but God, but God. See, when I did everything in the natural, God stepped into the supernatural and fixed what I couldn't fix. See, I could fix, I could fix this through the, through the smarts and, uh, of, of, of uh, science and, and, uh, and things like, of that nature. I could go seek help. But this, my wife and I, the scars, the wounds. All right, again, I'm going to be real. You know, I was, a, I was a horrible guy, folks. I was a horrible guy. I'll tell you, liar, cheater, adulterer, you name it, thief. Okay, I hear some walls in there. I'm telling you, so, so were some of you, right? But look at God. Look at God. Now, this was several years ago, thank God, several years ago. But God repaired. God stepped in with the supernatural to fix what damage was done in the natural God is good. So uh, there's a lot to be said there uh, that we could speak on at, at some other point or even privately if you'd like. And, and I'm telling you what, I, I could help. If you're, if you're a veteran or if you're somebody that's suffering through those things, I, I, could, I could help you out, walk through that because I've been there, all right? Uh, there was a time also when uh, my wife and I, we lost a child. And what was interesting, if, if ladies, if you know, uh, after that happens, you're very sensitive to infections. My wife came down with scarlet fever. If you guys know, nurses, uh, doctors know that it's an incurable it's incurable. You live with the ramifications of scarlet fever for the rest of your life. And I was at school and I remember, okay, God, I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to, I don't know what I'm doing right now, but God, you said in your word, you said this, you said, started quoting all my healing scriptures. And, and I said, Lord, actually I told Sharonica on the way to the house to meet her. She told me she had broken out and everything like that. And, on way, and, and I said, okay, baby, when we get there, we're going to pray. And on the way there, the Holy Spirit checked me and said, you don't have to wait to get there to pray. So I started praying on the way there. And I'm telling you what, she was in the, she was in the shower, you know, just crying and, and, and all this stuff. And, and I started to pray over there and just started dancing and giving God thanks and praise for what he was doing. And I'm telling you what, as she was, as she was in the shower, this stuff started to just fall off like, like water, like drips of water. I was amazed. I was astonished. I was like, wow, this is God at work. So I know about supernatural miracles too. I know about the natural. I know about the supernatural and those things alone. If if, if those two things were the only things that God had ever done, I'm telling you what, that's enough. That really is enough. Fixing a broken marriage, 
healing an incurable disease? There's nothing that can explain that. That's what faith is. Because if you could legislate faith, if you could tangibly see faith, what's the point of faith? No, it's things that are unexplainable. You can't explain those types of things. All right, so what is your destination? What is your path? What is your journey? What are you believing God for? Are you believing him to cure that disease? Have you been to the doctor? You're like, oh, well, whatever this is, I'm gonna have, you know, I'm gonna believe God cures it. Well, you have to have a name for it. What are you gonna call it? God, I want you to, uh, I want you to cure encephalitis. I want you to cure this. I want you to cure uh, hepatitis C. I want you to cure, you have to know what it is so you can call it out and say, God, cure this. All right, what are, what are you putting your trust in? Is it your finances? Have you, have you uh, been struggling with your finances? Have you been struggling with, with giving? Have you been struggling with, uh, with uh, just different things that you've done? Maybe some of you have pledged to the building campaign. Have you guys uh, struggled with any of those things? Put your trust in the Lord. Have him give you creative ideas to overcome those obstacles that you're facing in your life. I'm telling you what, when you put your trust and, your test, and you take on the testament of the Holy Ghost, you take on the testament of, of what Jesus did on the cross, you take on the testament of all those heroes in the hall of faith, I'm telling you what, you will accomplish much. You will accomplish much. Hallelujah. Do you have spiritual goals? Do you have spiritual goals? What are the kinds of things? The biggest thing that you need to do is you need to stay connected to the source, the testament. Whether it's on your iPad, whether it's on your iPhone, whether it's still uh, one of those uh, paper things, what are they called? Books? I'm just kidding. I like those things. They make really cool wall decorations. Now, whether, whatever it is, it's not good enough for it to be on the wall, on the shelf, on your iPad, on your app. It has to be in here. Stay connected to the source, amen? You need to be connected to God constantly. I'm telling you what, there's a really cool book that, uh, that we just got. It was, it's called uh, Principles of Prayer, and it's a book, it's like three volumes, and it has a whole bunch of scriptures in it that you just select a topic that you're going through, you go to it, and it's, it's powerful. I'm telling you what, it'll hit you right where you're at, and that's the level of trust that you need to get to with the word. I'm telling you what, because if it were visible, if it were tangible, it wouldn't be faith. It wouldn't be trust. You need to lean on God, trust in him in all your ways, amen, and he'll direct your paths. Remember this, in order for God to do his super, you must do your natural. Your obligation as a Christian, and if you're not a Christian, we're gonna give you here a moment here in a, a little bit, then I suggest that you do what you need to do to get on board with the trust and testament of God. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.